The following program is intended to provide general information only, and its host, Tim Decker, recommends that you always seek competent professional guidance for financial, legal, and tax advice, as everyone's specific needs are unique. WHP Talk Radio 580 now presents Financial Freedom with Tim Decker from ISI Financial Group. A full hour of sleep well at night financial guidance from an experienced financial advisor. Talking about This is your financial show, Central PA. Financial Freedom on WHP Talk Radio 580. Welcome. Good morning. Tim Decker here with you. Talking any and all things financial. If it's important to you, it is important to me. It is our goal here to be your trusted resource for financial truths. Let me give you the phone number if you'd like to uh, reach out. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, have anything on your mind, uh, don't be shy. We can uh, talk as friends here, and I'll do my very best to provide you straightforward, unbiased answers. And it is in my deepest intent to help you ultimately make wise financial decisions. You can reach me here at 717-540-0580. That's 717-540-0580 or toll free. It's 800-724-5801. Once again, that's 800-724-5801. Or as always, if you prefer to just shoot me a quick email live here, I will receive it. You can email me via ffradio at comcast.net that's ffradio at comcast.net I want to read something to you I shared this with you uh, sometime in the past but it's definitely something worth repeating because there's a lot in this a lot of practicality and as listeners of this show, you know that I don't waste your time nor my time talking about what individual stocks to buy, what sectors look the best, all the stuff that you consistently have coming at you via television programs, i.e. the Kramers of the world, via other radio shows who like to talk about uh, individual stocks and individual securities. Um, and the reason that we do not provide stock tips or stock recommendations or sector recommendations or outlooks or anything is it's a waste of all of our time. Because let me again remind you that one of the common themes that I continually try to help you understand and accept, which again is based in academic evidence, is no one can reliably predict in advance what are going to be the best sectors, what's going to be the best country to invest in in the short term, what's going to be the best stocks to buy or sell. Because remember, to be able to do that consistently, you have to believe that you have information that nobody else has. 
And again, let me remind you, that's called illegal inside information. So we don't waste time speculating and gambling when, when we look at the data and the data shows the vast, vast majority of those trying to do such simply fail. And one of the things I'm going to share with you this morning, you hear me talk about evidence, you hear me talk about academic evidence, well, I'm going to actually share with you some of that evidence. But before I do, I want to read something to you. And please take this to heart and really think about this. All successful investing is goal-focused and planning-driven. All failed investing is market-focused and performance-driven. Let me say that one more time. All successful investing is goal-focused and planning-driven. However, all failed investing is market-focused and performance-driven. That's the reason why the theme and the majority of the content that we discuss on this program is not focusing on what the market did this past week, what the current uh, uh, mindset of the Federal Reserve is uh, whether or not the 10-year government bond is going to go above the 2.87 where it closed on Friday, whether or not uh, what's going on in Washington and what's going on with the tariffs, uh, what type of an impact is that going to have? We don't focus on that. And the reason that we don't is that's not how successful investors achieve long-term positive results for them and their families. Instead, what we focus on is how should you invest? How should you plan? Should you focus on performance of what the markets are doing, or should you focus on the only goals that matter, and those are your personal goals? So let me read this one last time, and again, I hope you really get the substance of this. All successful investing is goal-focused and planning-driven. All failed investing is market-focused and performance-driven. So do you have a plan? Do you have a goal driven financial plan, not based upon what is currently happening in the financial markets, but based upon where you're at now, where you want to be five years from now, 10 years from now, and the rest of your life? Is your portfolio the servant of that plan? I've said many times, your portfolio should always be the servant of your plan. But if you don't have a goal-oriented written plan that takes into account future inflation, taxes, that takes into account returns that are reasonable and rational, 
not overly lofty. If you don't have a plan that accounts for all those things, how are you going to know if you're on track? How do you measure the progress of your investments? When we regularly meet with clients of ours to review their progress, one of the most fulfilling things that I continually see over and over, and we've been doing this for many, many, many years. I've been in this financial services industry for over 30 years, and one of the most fulfilling things that I see over and over again is when we sit down and review the progress of a client's portfolios, what do we compare it to to see how how we're doing we pull out the financial plan we look at where we started where we should be right now and it provides us with something meaningful it's taking dollars and cents and turning it into experiences and love because dollar bills in and of themselves are very cold pieces of paper. But when you can take those dollars and turn them into experiences with your family, certain trips that you've dreamt of experiencing with your spouse for many, many years as you're looking at transitioning into retirement or maybe you are in retirement, finding ways that with confidence based upon what your financial plan will show you you can and cannot do, being able to then with confidence go out and experience those things and making memories that will last forever, that is ultimately what sound financial planning can do. It's called taking money and turning it into forever memories and experiences being able to give to your favorite charities, knowing how much you can give and still making sure that you and your family are going to have enough money that you're not going to outlive your income, making sure that you are prepared in advance and that you have a process in place to help you weather the next financial market declines, which will take place at any time. So, Again, do you have a plan? Is it sound? If not, make it a priority to take the time and get one in place. Okay, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, we'll pick right back up. 717-540-0580, 800-724-5801, or email me, ffradiocomcast.net. I'm Tim Decker. We'll be right back. This is your financial show, Central PA. Financial Freedom on WHP 580. Welcome back. Tim Decker here with you. Thank you for joining us here on this Saturday morning. I'll do my very best to make our time spent together helpful for you in my effort to provide you with ongoing practical financial truth in an effort to help you make wise financial decisions. Let's talk about 
academic evidence. I know that sounds boring, but there's two, it's essentially there's two ways you can invest from a, just a very broad perspective. It's the speculative way, which means you or you pay somebody else in an effort to outperform certain markets that you know that you could actually just capture the returns of those markets just by owning a beautiful globally diversified portfolio of low-cost index funds. So you're either in one camp or the other. Now there's some that try to do both because they, they think it sounds appealing and sexy. It's what they call core and explore, where basically some advisors or, or money managers will recommend that you start with a core holding of low-cost index funds or ETFs and then build around it with some so-called market beating managers that uh, are going to provide you with some extra value. Sounds good, right? Well, the other way to invest is to go back and start with what does the evidence show and lead us to as to what is going to provide us with the greatest probability of helping us reach our goals and capturing the returns that are available out there all within the context of your goals and whatever specific risks you need to take personally to help you achieve those goals. Well, here is some data. It comes right out of the source is Standard & Poor Dow Jones Indices, which is a division of Standard & Poor Global. And what they do is a couple times a year, they go right into the data that is at the University of Chicago in the Center for Research and Securities Prices. It's probably the most respected, robust data of market prices throughout the world. And it's obviously regularly updated. And this report that S&P Dow Jones Indices updates a couple times a year, there's, there's a couple of them. First one here is called the SPIVA U.S. Scorecard. And I've mentioned this on the show uh, in the past. But uh, I just wanted to, to, again, highlight what the evidence shows. They have on their SPIVA scorecard the following. Over the five-year period ending 2017, 84% of large-cap managers, that's large company fund managers, 
85.06% of mid-cap, that's medium-sized companies, and 91.17% of small-cap managers lagged their benchmarks. 84% of large company managers, 85.06% of mid-cap, and 91.17% of small cap managers lag their respective benchmarks. That's looking at the entire universe of U.S. equity large cap mutual funds. Similarly, over the 15-year time period ending 2017, 92% of large cap managers, 94.81% of mid-cap managers, and 95.73% of small cap managers, again, failed to outperform. So what you have here is a, a very, very small chance of identifying in advance money managers who are going to be able to match, let alone exceed, the benchmarks. So what we see is this is pervasive, and I'm not going to read all the data when I say pervasive. This is across international markets as well. It's not just in the U.S. You see this consistently across all markets. So basically, if the data, and by the way, they update these numbers every six months, and I will continue to share the updates. But what you will see is this is robust, it is consistent, and the longer the time period, the less managers or the fewer managers are able to even come close to beating their benchmarks. So if that's the case, let me ask you, why why would you choose to ignore this type of evidence? Why would you choose to ignore the wisdom of someone like Mr. Buffett himself who has clearly said Upon his passing, money that's going to be left for his bride is not going to even be left for Berkshire Hathaway to try to pick stocks with. It's going to go in low-cost index funds. So to ignore evidence like this, and by the way, there is many, many more research papers that come out of the halls of academia that consistently show very similar results. If the odds of being able to identify managers that are going to be able to outperform is so, so low, why would you even consider doing that? Because in doing so, you are ignoring the data, and you're ignoring some of the wisest, best investors ever in the world 
such as John Bogle, Vanguard, Mr. Buffett himself, many of the institutional investors who have now finally chosen to accept what the evidence is and are turning more and more to low-cost, beautifully diversified index type of funds, or if they have enough in money, they're actually having index funds built for them at even lower cost. Why would you ignore the cash flow that we've seen over the last five and eight years showing that as more and more of this evidence comes out and as consumers like you are becoming more educated, money is running out of speculative, active management vehicles, as well as managers who try to lead people to believe that they can pick stocks for them and is rushing into low-cost index funds. The only reason that you would choose to ignore that evidence is because you are choosing, and yes, it is your conscious choice, you are choosing hope over evidence. And when you had like a 1 in 10 chance of being successful taking this approach, would you call that wise investing or would you call that foolish speculating? That's what the evidence shows. We're going to go to the news. When we come back, I'm going to share with you one other scorecard from Standard & Poor's, and this is their one that has just recently come out. It's their persistence scorecard. So for those of you who are out there thinking that, well, we can look at past performance, all I have to do is pick the money managers that were part of those few that did outperform and invest with them because of their track record. Mm, don't be so quick to think it's that easy. We're going to look at, of those that did outperform when we look back here, how many of those continued to outperform over the next three, five, and ten years? You might be surprised. Okay, let's go to the news. When we come back, we'll pick right back up. Again, if you have anything you'd like to ask of me, any comments, you can reach me here, 717 540 0580 or 800 or shoot me an email live here at ffradio at comcast.net. We'll be right back. Hey. A lot of financial advisors won't want you to hear what we say. This is the financial show that represents you, not Wall Street. This is Financial Freedom with Tim Decker on WHP 580. Welcome back. If you haven't done so, uh, please take advantage of all of the ongoing valuable information, articles, educational pieces that I make available on our website. If you go to isifinancialgroup.com, that's isifinancialgroup.com. Uh, we have uh, past articles that I've written for uh, many 
publications, uh, as well as the Central Penn Business Journal, the Harrisburg Patriot. Uh, we've got just not only past, but ongoing articles that I write, as well as a monthly newsletter and a, a uh, monthly webinar a video that we send out it's only typically about three minutes long and it is designed to provide you again with principles grounded in evidence-based investing so again websites isifinancialgroup.com and don't forget we have that invaluable tool for anyone that uh, if you want to cut through all of the confusion as to how you're in Invest how your advisor is paid, how much they're getting paid, how they're getting paid, the strategies that they follow. We have that questionnaire that is free for your use. All you all you have to do is download it right there on our homepage on the bottom there, and it's questions that you can use to interview any financial advisor, whether you're currently working with one. If you are and you haven't used this, I strongly, strongly recommend that you do. Um, it came from the National Association of Personal Financial Advisors, and then we added just a few extra questions um, as well. And we also have a key answer of what the answers are that hopefully you will get back. Um, so use that to either interview any financial advisor or it would be a helpful exercise if you don't know all those answers already to get those answers in writing from your current financial advisor okay going back to the standard poor dow jones reports and scorecards that they update every six months i've got one here as well before the break i said since there's such few amount of managers that are able to stay up with and beat their benchmarks, there are people out there that think, well, all we have to do is look at the past performance of those that did, and we can, you know, we can vest with them. And this is how many financial advisors convince consumers to put money in certain investments they focus on past performance even though every prospectus out there even though the SEC reminds everyone that past performance is not indicative of future performance and it's in big bold letters everywhere it's still the most common way that individuals who attempt to go it alone do it yourself most of you will look at past performance before you choose what you're going to invest in. And most advisors use past performance of certain vehicles to uh, convince consumers to invest in whatever it is they are, are recommending. Well, again, that might work for purchasing a refrigerator if you're going to go to Consumer Reports and look at, you know, what refrigerators have good track records, knowing which ones have held up and have fewer repairs in the past probably is a good thing that can at least increase 
the probability that whatever refrigerator you're going to buy is one that uh, is is rated good. That might work well when you're purchasing a car. That might work well uh, when you're going to buy a lawnmower. It works, and it's a helpful exercise in many other areas of our life. But, again, I urge you to listen to what the data and the evidence puts forth. Have an open mind, please. It's important for you and your family. So, there is a report that just came out from S&P Global, and it says, does past performance matter? Well, here's the persistence scorecard, again, based upon data. Not what I think, not what you think, but the actual factual data. And what they say in their summary of results is as follows. When it comes to the active versus passive debate, which, again, active is how most people invest either on their own or paying managers to actively attempt to outperform the markets versus passive says, I'm not going to try to pick stocks. I'm not going to try to time the markets. I'm going to just capture returns of, of the markets and focus on the things that we can control, low cost, low expenses, tax management, diversification, a dynamic rebalancing process, all things that you can control. So it says, when it comes to the active versus passive debate, one of the key measurements of successful active management lies in the ability of a manager or a strategy to deliver above average returns consistently over multiple periods. Demonstrating the ability to outperform peers repeatedly is the one way to differentiate a manager's luck from skill. So you have to not only have done it in the past, you need to continually persist and repeat this in the future. Otherwise, it's luck. So what they have in this most recent report, uh, which is as of March, is according to the S&P Persistence Scorecard, relatively few funds can consistently stay at the top. Out of 557 domestic U.S. equity funds that were in the top 25%, those that had the that were the top performers as of March 2016, and listen to this: only 2.33% managed to stay in the top 25%. Two years later, at the uh, at the end of March 2018, furthermore, only 0.93 percent—that's less than one percent of large cap funds, and no mid cap funds, and only 3.85 percent of small cap funds—remained in the top quartile. That's a that's amazing. So, in other words. 
As of March 2016, at the end of the first quarter of 2016, if you were going to invest some money in some U.S. stock mutual funds and you looked at Morningstar and identified those that you know were in the top 25% based upon past performance, you would be severely disappointed when, as of March 2018, as a group, only 2.33%. That means more than 97% of those funds that were in the top at, uh, as of March 2016 97% of those, as of March 2018, were no longer in the top. For the three-year period that ended March 2018, persistence figures for funds in the top half were also unfavorable. So now we're not even looking at the top 25%. Now we're just looking at those that were in the top half. Over three consecutive 12-month periods, 21 percent of large cap funds, 7 percent of mid cap funds, and 13 percent of small cap funds maintained their top half ranking. Again, a very minimal amount. And they go on to say an inverse relationship generally exists between the measurement time horizon and the ability of top performing funds to maintain their status. It is worth noting that only 0.45%, that's less than a half a percent, of large cap and no mid cap or small cap fund managers remained in the top quartile at the end of the five-year period. Furthermore, no mid cap or small cap funds were able to retain their status as of the end of the four 12-month period. This figure paints a negative picture regarding long-term persistence in mutual fund returns. I would say so. Okay, we're going to go to our last break. When we come back, we'll pick right back up. If you have anything you'd like to ask of me, uh, share it with me. You can give me a call, 717-540-0580, 800-724-5801, or shoot me a quick email, ffradio.comcast.net. We'll be right back. A lot of financial advisors won't want you to hear what we say. This is the financial show that represents you, not Wall Street. This is Financial Freedom with Tim Decker on WHP 580. Welcome back. Final segment. Uh, we are the live financial talk show here on WHP that comes to you from a fee-only advisory and fiduciary perspective. This program, other than the times that I'm on vacation, is always live as it is right now. This is not a pre-recorded infomercial with questions made up from listeners. This is live. And we are the 
program here on WHP that, again, I come to you as a 100% fee-only advisor, no products to sell, no luring in attempts to get you to come to free dinner seminars in an effort to ultimately try to sell you products which ultimately many times are very good for the salesperson, but unfortunately many times at the expense of the consumer. I've been on the air here in central Pennsylvania for over 25 years. Programs come, programs go, and we've been here. And the reason why I want to share that with you and emphasize that is you need to be careful whether you're listening to me or anyone on television, on this station, any station. You need to be careful who you choose to trust and turn your hard-earned dollars over to. And just because something sounds good and just because somebody can make it sound good does not believe or does not automatically mean it's going to be in your best interest. And that's why I urge you, take advantage of that free questionnaire that we have on our website, and you will be able, if you get that completed in writing, you will be able to be assured that whoever you are working with is a 100% fee-only fiduciary who will sign that fiduciary oath that they will always put the best interest of you and your family first okay let's go to joyce from palmyra hello joyce how are you ma'am and how can i help you i'm good i have a quick question i i have mostly mutual funds i i would like to diversify into an international fund but i only have enough money for one can you recommend an international mutual fund that would be the best for me um what I would suggest is if you're only going to look at one international fund, the best exposure in one fund would be a total international stock index fund. Um, does Vanguard have one of those? Yes, ma'am. Vanguard has one. Fidelity has one. Um, I, I have a bias towards Vanguard's products their service right now unfortunately is horrible because they've gotten so big but they have a total international stock market fund that provides exposure to both established international markets like over Europe Japan but they also but the fund also includes some exposure to emerging markets as as well which I would highly recommend now again I don't know anything about your specific situation, so you know, take this as general advice. But as a as a vehicle itself, that is definitely one that I would strongly consider. Always in line with your goals and your tolerance for risk. Thank you, Tim. I appreciate it very much. You are very welcome. Let me know how you how you make out. Okay, I love your show. Thank you, Bye-bye. Joyce. Bye bye. Yeah, the, uh, by the way, just from a, a, a broad perspective, when you look at the valuations of the U.S. markets right now and the established international markets and the emerging markets, if you look solely at a valuation standpoint, 
there is greater value currently based upon historical valuation measures such as price to earnings ratio such as price to book whatever um, in the international markets and even more so in the emerging markets does that mean that they're going to outperform over the next year five or ten years I have no idea nor does anyone else but we do know that from an expected return which is not in any way a guaranteed return but from an expected return starting where we're at now when you're building your por portfolio and you're looking at what is a reasonable expected return um, the expected return from this valuation standpoint is a little better in the international markets than the US I have no idea nor does anyone else know for sure what's going to outperform thus we diversify we own some US we own some established international we own some emerging markets we own some large companies we own some mid-sized companies we own some small companies we own some value companies we own some growth companies we own some real estate investment trusts through publicly traded funds but we also based upon the news you want to know the Dolphins kneel for the national anthem the news Chicago you need to know we as a city just go bad to leadership these new sanctions on Russia dominance stay in the know in space the space force news radio WHP 580